Welcome to From the Shed End. You're now listening to episode 118. As always, myself, Theo, and the other Theo as well. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Just about recovered from the Wembley heartbreak on, on Sunday, uh, sixth time in a row now. Uh, we've lost domestic cup competitions. But yeah, other than that, my week's gone off to a good start. Um, won my pub quiz on Monday. Um, we won a £50 bar tab to use up next Monday, which is going to be nice after our five-a-side footy. Um, so yeah, that kind of um, made a Monday a lot more enjoyable. Um, and then won my fi- other five-a-side game last night. And looking forward to the game tonight, uh, dare I say. But yeah, good week so far. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, honest question we've got to ask. Are you are you working on the Tuesday? Because I mean, fifty part fifty pound bar tab could be a bit. I mean, I don't know actually. I was say I was in London on Monday, and the pints in London seven eight pound a pint. I mean, Jesus, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's extortion. Shots eight pound a pint. So yeah, the bar tab get you a couple of maybe two rounds of drinks in. But um, but yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, usual, you know, just as you like you said, you very touched on just then around that the disappointment on Sunday with the final but looking forward to tonight's game um, which we'll get into I'm, I'm sure later on but if you haven't already if you're new to this channel if you're new to the podcast please go and subscribe to the channel make sure you go to the link tree link in the description and you can follow our, our social accounts and our previous episodes are also available to listen back to as well but let's take it back to Sunday which um, we I think we both went into that game with a bit more um, hope I suppose than than expectation of, of winning. So we wanted to to see a good performance. Uh, we we knew obviously key injuries were going to be out for for Liverpool uh, in the in the League Cup final. I mean, what went wrong for us? I mean, where, where did we start in terms of the first half? Let's start with the lineup in the first half. I mean, that was probably the best place to start. But what do you think went wrong for us and and how we couldn't really cope with Liverpool in the first ten fifteen minutes of the match? I thought maybe there was a bit of nerves and experience in this team. A lot of those players, I think, like Poch and some of the players themselves mentioned in the build-up, was their first time playing a final, first time playing at Wembley. Um, so there would have been a couple of nerves um, in terms of the actual, uh, maybe that's how Klopp set up. We wanted Liverpool to bring the game to Chelsea in the opening 10, 15 minutes or so. But I did feel like we slowly found our groove. Um, we kind of got into the flow of the game. It's extremely disappointing though because I don't think there was a better chance or occasion to play Liverpool considering their injuries. Uh, we spoke about it in the previous recording and there were still a couple big names still being assessed ahead of kickoff, uh, kickoff the likes of Salah and Darwin Nunez, um, Spotlight as well. I know all those players didn't feature at all. Um, so yeah, it felt like it was a, our biggest opportunity and our biggest chance to beat Liverpool in the cup final. Um, that being said, I don't think we played badly. Um, you look at the the Raheem Sterling offside goal. Um, Jackson was offside in the build-up. It was very very thin margins, wasn't it? It was maybe a toenail. We saw it before the Lukaku goal in 2022 in the League Cup final. It's very similar to that. And I did feel like we created a lot of chances, but it's just been a story of our season. We just haven't been clinical enough, and we don't take those chances. For instance, when Palmer missed that um, that big chance in the first half. Credit to Kelleher, he made a fantastic save on point-blank range. Um, I thought to myself, okay, we've missed this chance, but if we can create those, those type of chances, get in those type of spaces, the goal's going to come. It's only a matter of time, but then 90 minutes, no goal. 120 minutes, no goal. And then 118th minute, I think it was, Van Dijk pops up and scores for Liverpool. So yeah, really frustrating afternoon. Um, and I've, I think what frustrates me even more is the fact we played well, we probably deserved something from that game. But once again, we didn't get it. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was definitely, um, yeah, I was, I'm still am fifty fifty. I feel like we had spells where he played really well, and there was there were times we were just opened up, we were too exposed. It was too easy for Liverpool to get the ball from you know front to back. It was just easy for them, you know. They 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 were able to get through our defensive line so calmly, and that that worried me, especially at the start of the game. It was just too easy. And I think we, I think maybe nerves was was a massive factor, like you said. You know, this is the first time a lot of our players were playing in a final. So, uh, you know, I remember looking at Levi Cowell the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, and it was just, again, maybe nerves was playing a massive part. Dezazi, um, as well. I thought uh, Malo Gusto again. You know, there's a couple of times when the ball was switched over to him, and the ball would go out for a throw, and it's just a missed touch of the ball, and 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 just things like that. I mean, it. He grew into the game. I thought, you know, eventually Malagosto had a really good game, but it's just those little things that you have to that have to go your way on the day. They have to you have to be be able to cool, be cool and calm, composed going into the game. Like you said, you know, we had we had very good chances, very very good chances to score in that in that game. Um, you know, Cole Palmer, Jackson had a good chance. Sterling had a, a goal ruled offside. We did everything we could, I think, but score in the game. So. You know, the positives are there to take, but you hit the nail on the head. You know, this is probably the best and only time you can play Liverpool and you go into that game, especially when the Lions were announced. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm not the only one, but when you go into a game and you look at the two benches and you see that we had like Madweki, Mudrik on the bench, uh, Christopher Nkunku was on the bench. And you look at Liverpool's bench and you think, you know, they, they, they haven't played a final either. You know, some of these haven't played a Premier League game. Well, they only made their debut the week before against Luton. So we should have been able to go into that game with the confidence of, yes, you know, we don't win 90 minutes, but see the game out in extra time, at least get to penalties, at least. And there was, a, there was an opportunity in the first half, uh, in the first, in, in the 90 minutes, sorry, where obviously Van Dijk's goal was ruled out. Uh, I think it was Endo who was um, obstructing Levi Cowell, who Endo was in a, an offside position at the time when the ball was being delivered in. But there were signs there that the threat was going to come from Van Dyke or one of those set plays. We were mismatched in defence, I thought, in terms of our marking. I think um, Ben Chilwell, I think, was trying to mark Van Dyke at one point. Do you think that was just down to what we probably trained during the game, uh, during the week before the game? Or did it go wrong on, on the day? Because it, just, it was a very mismatch. You know, Kalati, Van Dyke, two big centre backs, and we've got probably the smallest players on our team trying to mark them. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said before, I feel like um, there were some players that just didn't look comfortable. I think Sassi being one of them, slipping a lot, giving the ball away. You mentioned Gusto, uh, his first touch, letting it go out for a throw-in. But credit to him, like you said, he really grew into the game. And I thought his um, the way he regained possession at times and he was almost on the ground and managed to get a foot in to get, to, to, to get the ball back. Um, he's, he did really well. Enzo, another one, I felt like um, he struggled a bit, misplacing a lot of passes. And in regards to what you said about maybe um, being able to counter what Liverpool did and have that big aerial threat from Van Dijk and Kanate, I think the fact that at first Van Dijk goal was ruled out for an offside, I'm still struggling to see how it was offside, if I'm completely honest. Um, I think we were all a bit confused in the stadium when um, it went to VAR because it's quite rare to score a header from a, I think it was a corner or a free kick and be offside, especially when he kind of ghosted in from the, from the back um, of the penalty box. But we've got to just do better. I think that's um, something we've got to, we should have done in, the tr- in training, in the build up to the game. But like you said, Chilwell, 
trying to mark Van Dijk. Then I think it was Mudrick for the actual goal itself. Um, we just didn't look didn't look like he knew what he was doing. And I think the last play you'd expect to be on Van Dijk as a player like Mudrick, given his height and his 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 build. Um, but yeah, it was poor. Um, I think it, alarm bell should have been ringing for the first goal. And I think given the amount of breaks we've had at half time and then at full time, and then the break in between the two um, the two halves of extra time. That should have given Pochettino and his team enough opportunities to kind of talk about that, find ways to, to deal with it, but we didn't. So yeah, that's something maybe that really costs us um, on, a, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it's, we're going to get on to aftermath of the game, but I wanted to talk about Petrovic, who for me, both goalkeepers, but you know, more so Petrovic from our perspective, uh, had blinders, you know, they played really well. They, uh, I mean, Petrovic really kept us in the game. You think about some of the saves he pulled off, um, especially you know early on in the, in the first half, and then there were spells even in extra time and in, in the second half of the game. You know, just a very uh, controlled and calm performance from him, which I think we needed at the back, especially early on with those those uh, mistakes that we we've just highlighted from the defense. But Petrovic played really well. Unlucky for him. You know, he seems like he's kind of trying to cement himself as the the number one for Chelsea um, going forward, and and he's probably got a very good shout and a very good case to, to keep his place now, especially for tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I really enjoyed my seat. I was actually I thought going into the game, I'd be sat in the low um, upper section. By the time I was in the lower section, right behind the goal, actually, um, almost in like the central position, right behind the goal. Um, so I got a really good view of kind of how Petrovic was. With dealing with shots, how he was getting to ground early, how he was um, talking to his uh, defence. And I think someone who plays goalkeeper in five-a-side, it was actually really interesting to see. And like you said, um, a lot of the other players maybe were nervous before the game, but he didn't look nervous at all. I saw him in his warm-up. He was just chatting away with the coaches. Um, he was helping Sanchez and I think it's um, Bertinelli um, do their drills as well. Um, and he just seems like he's really settled in at Chelsea since um, that Everton game where he was called upon after Sanchez's injury. And like you said, he's got a really good case against his name to, to be our first choice goalkeeper for the remainder of the season. And it's going to be really hard for Robert Sanchez to come back in, especially should we not get a result now in the FA Cup. You do wonder where the opportunities are going to come for, for rotation, especially for our goalkeeper. Um, it's going to be an interesting one tonight, actually. Um, I think this is the only opportunity that Sanchez might have cup competition to maybe to maybe um, get back into the team, but I don't see why you drop a goalkeeper who's in red-hot form at the moment. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. But, uh, we'll get on to our, our predicted lineups for Leeds, but um, Raheem Sterling, another one who we've said on here a number of times, is someone who has to, you know, be the leader in the team, the voice, the one with the experience. He's played for some really good managers previously. You know, he's he's played for Liverpool, he's played for Manchester City. Going into that final you kind of, whether he wanted to or not, you kind of had to look at him as the most experienced player on the pitch for us and the one that should have been able to make something happen in a final. You know, Van Dijk done that. You know, he showed the difference in what we need in a leader in that team, someone who just steps up, gets the goal, you know, puts in a really good performance as well. Uh, and Van Dijk done that for, for Liverpool. But we didn't have someone of that equivalent on our side on Sunday. I felt it should have been Raheem Sterling and maybe that's harsh to put all that that sort of blame and the, the the onus on him to do that. But as the most experienced player, he, he kind of played probably the, the, the poorest out of the, the 11 that started, you know. He didn't really do anything. Uh, and then when he came he came off, he was almost like disappointed that he was coming off, but he didn't actually do anything. So 
uh, assessing Raheem Sterling if you can is that is that a case that he's probably maybe got to start thinking of other options away from Chelsea now because it seems like you know he's he's that he's he should be the one now again needing the line or getting some of these youngsters to to get on board with the the, the ideas of what Pochettino's doing he doesn't seem to be doing that. No, like you said, we didn't have Thiago Silva on the pitch on Sunday and you're kind of relying on your second most experienced player, which is Raheem Sterling, 29 years old. Um, but yeah, he was very ineffective on the day and I think he was probably the first player that Chelsea fans, or maybe alongside Jackson, wanted to, to be substituted off for uh, Nkuku Amadweke. Um, you're looking at him now and you're thinking, this is a player, 29 years old, he's played for Liverpool, he's played for... Man City, who's played in World Cups in European competitions and Champions League finals. Yeah, you're not really seeing that from him on the pitch at the moment. You don't think he's that type of player. You're not. He doesn't look like the type of player that would be in his prime right now. So yeah, there is a kind of question mark on what needs to be done with him in the summer, especially considering his wages as well, which are really, really high. Um, I doubt we're going to recoup any of the value that we paid for. I think it was 50 million um, to Man City to get a hold of him in summer 2022. But I still think um, we're going to need him. Um, just for his ex- I do use the word experience, even though I don't think he is experienced like we saw on Sunday. But we do need that bit of extra experience, I suppose. Um, but I think there's also um, reasons maybe to rotate, especially tonight. Uh, maybe give Madweke a chance. Um, we won't be able to rotate as much as we would like, given the Nkuku injury, which we can speak about in a bit. But yeah, I think he really needs to up his game at the moment and just his body language as well and kind of take those younger players under his wing and show it, show them that this is how you do it when you're kind of in your um, uh, higher 20 years um, and you need to kind of um, contribute to big games like that. Yeah, it's, um, it is disappointing because I think when we signed him, you know, we kind of, I mean, I think we both, or one of us at least said, you know, that's what we're bringing him in for. He's, he's proven that he can play at the top level. You know, he's coming from Manchester City. He needs to come in. And, and try and make something happen and he, he sort of did I remember uh, I think one of his early games might have been his, his first game for us at Everton was it maybe uh, yeah I think he won us the penalty that day yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah he done, he done really well in that game I saw signs of it and I remember saying I can't remember if it was on this podcast or another one I did say maybe a year or so if things don't go well we're going to see that a lot of what was happening at Man City and how Raheem was playing there was because he was at Man City and if he comes here He's going to lose a lot of the qualities that Pep expects that the, the standards are going to drop very quickly because he's played with a, a group of players that are very different to how Man City and Pep are, are set up. Um, I, I feel like we're seeing that now that his, his standards have dropped maybe even lower than some of the players that are trying to up there. So um, it is mm. worrying. It definitely is worrying. Um, yeah, and he's been omitted from the last few England squads as well. Um, so he, And he doesn't look like he's the type of player that's playing for a place in an England squad right now. I think he's... Um, sad as it sounds I think he's probably thinking of other things in terms of you know other ventures away from football I know he's only um, you know still relatively young in terms of football years but I would say he's probably thinking now what my life after football what does that look like you know I, I still get the thing, feeling that that was one of the reasons what prized him to come to Chelsea was the fact obviously he's back in London he's back around a lot of his family members and all the rest of it so you know, maybe that was the, the deciding factor as to why he came to Chelsea because you uh, simply can't be for the football because the projects that he's brought into, we don't even know what it is. So I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what it is either. Um, I, I want to talk about, before we talk about Nkunku and his injury, obviously the big the big thing around, you know, the blue billion 
£5,000 bottle jobs, which is the, the thing that Gary Neville has now, unfortunately, made stick with Chelsea, which is going to stick until we either win the Champions League, the Premier League, or something of some, some stub, um, substance. But I think it's really harsh. I think it's really critical. Um, I think there's a couple of points to pick out from, because I, I could see, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I've watched it back again already. I've depressed myself on, on the train on Monday, headed to uh, heading home from London. I was watching watching bits of the game um, again. And you could see and hear throughout that commentary, throughout the whole game, it was already one-sided. I said that to you before, before even Sunday, but you could hear how the money of the fact that the money that's been spent kept being brought up and the fact that, you know, they had kids, which let's be honest, they're not kids. This whole thing of Liverpool played their kids is ridiculous. They're all grown men. And if I was one of those kids that was on the bench, the, dubbed them kids, you know, one of those 28, 20 year olds or 19 year olds on the bench for Liverpool. And someone was dubbing me a kid. I, it, it, to me, it's almost an insult because, you know, you're not a kid at 20. You're 21. You, you can work, you can vote, you can do all these things. You're an adult. You know, Harvey Elliott is not mm-hmm. a kid. He's, I think he's 20. Curtis Jones is not a kid. Um, so for me to, to, to kind of, it's almost disrespectful to call them kids. You know, they're, they're professional footballers. They've got professional contracts. I just think it's stupid and, and we have to remember this all started from the injuries if you think back to the, the build up to the game they spoke about the number of injuries that Chelsea uh, that Liverpool had you know, we've had the same amount of injuries you know f- throughout but um, my point which I'm kind of digressing from is around the blue billion pound bottle jobs is that something that was very harsh for Gary Neville to say in terms of the um, the statement the one line that clearly he had up his sleeve throughout the whole game that he wanted to use at the right moment. Um, was that harsh for him to say that? Or is there some truth to that as well? Well, let's remember firstly that we started the game with a younger average age squad than Liverpool and we finished the game with a younger average squad, um, age squad than Liverpool. So if you want to call someone kids, it should have been Chelsea. It should have been Liverpool. Um, and in regards to the Gary Neville statement, I think there's a bit of accuracy about it. And we spent billions and we haven't really achieved anything yet. And we're not really getting the results on the pitch. Um, but I also think it lacks professionalism, if I'm completely honest. Um, I don't think you'd be saying that if it was about City, about Arsenal, about Liverpool as well. And it felt like they chose the narrative to kind of paint Chelsea as these bottle jobs that have spent billions under Bowley and are now not getting the results. They've, they've um, messed up another chance of getting silverware. So I reckon he went to bed the night before with that kind of line planned and he was going to say it regardless of the occasion and wanted to wait for the perfect timing to say it. I haven't really heard the context of when he said it or at what stage of the game, but I think it's completely lacks professionalism. And like I said, I don't think he'd be saying that about any other club other than Chelsea. So it seems like there's a specific narrative at the moment that commentators, pundits, uh, people that work in football are trying to pick or choose or kind of choose their words around to kind of portray Chelsea as these this team that are slowly trying to build something. Like we mentioned in the previous episode, there is a lot more cohesion in the squad. We won, a lot, we won our last three, um, or we drew um, drew one game, won our last two. Um, but yeah, they, they'll refuse to talk about that. They'll, they'll always kind of focus on the billions we've spent. And let's remember, it's only been a season and a half since the Bowley takeover. Sure, I think you and me are both in agreement that we haven't really, we're not really happy of how things have planned out with the vision, the structure, um, the the transfer um, policy and the recruitment strategy, but it's going to win it for the long, long term. And it's, we're going to have to be patient. And these players that we spent supposedly billions on, um, 
we all knew that they were young. They were going to come in. They weren't going to um, kind of hit the ground running straight away. Sure, that still frustrates me because I want immediate results. But these commentators need to understand that. And uh, yeah, I know it's, this narrative now is starting to really piss me off, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, it's um, it was definitely one that was up the sleeve because, um, and he said it whilst Van Dijk had just scored the goal in 183 minutes of the game. So it was clearly, and it was coming. I could hear it coming. I remember, I remember Gary Neville saying for our commentary, you know, that, you know, the kids run for Liverpool and Chelsea still can't break them down and still can't score against them. It was, it was coming. You could feel it. You could hear it coming. Um, I mean, there's definitely truth to it. I'll, I'll be 110% honest. There's definitely truth to it. You know, you can't, I've said it f- throughout, you know, you can't spend a billion pounds and still look as bad as we do. I'm not saying every game we should be smashing teams, you know, 7-8-0, but, but the performances sometimes, and not, not the Carabao Cup final, because I, I think we played really well in that game in spells, but there are games, you know, re- most recently Wolves, for instance, where you just can't, those, those results can't happen. After a billion pounds, they just can't. A 1-0, maybe. 2-1, 2-0, maybe. But the way we got demolished and, and sometimes it's a, the performance, not even the scoreline, you can't, they can't happen after a billion pounds. So there is some truth to it. But I do think the bias and the, the, this narrative that clubs don't spend money, you know, I mean, United have, have spent how much money? They're, they're still in loads of debt. I mean, the, even with the takeover, they're still in debt. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, and maybe this is where it goes back to, I don't think there should be, for instance, Jamie Carragher commentating on Liverpool games or Gary Neville commentating on uh, United games. You know, there isn't a Chelsea equivalent of that at, at Sky. So I, I do think they should have a neutral person, especially in a final. I mean, there's so much passion um, in a game anyway. And I think they should have a neutral commentator commentating the game. Someone who's not associated with one club or, or has a, a ulterior motive about another club as well. Just have someone neutral. Have someone fresh as well. I think sometimes I'm sick of hearing the same voices. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Steve McManaman, another one. Yeah, just, I mean, they should really does my head in. Yeah, they shouldn't be on there. They need they yeah. need to to go out and find a new lease of commentators and and you know before we end up in the same routine where we had certain pundits that we 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 wanted to get rid of or we weren't you know they needed to move on and they did eventually. But we're going to end up in in the same route of, of having these sort of True. same chain of dinosaurs um before we move on Todd Bowley Clear Lake you kind of touched on it then around you know it's going to be a slow process but how slow is a process going to be because at the moment I mean I am I am at literally at the point now where I don't trust the, 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 the ownership the direction the projects the vision I don't trust the manager I don't trust some of the or the majority of the players so I'm at that point where I, there isn't anything for me to now say that Pochettino should even have another summer window or anything. I, I just don't see it. I don't know who should come in for him, but I don't see how Pochettino, if he loses tonight more so, could even continue his job. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a slow process. And I think it's the slow in the fact that we call this game our most important game of the season. Um, and that's the Carabao Cup final was three, four years ago when we lost it against the... Uh, was it City in 2019? I think we all dubbed it the Mickey Mouse trophy or whatever. So it, we've completely changed our objectives and our goals. We've gone from competing in the Champions League to winning the Super Cup and the Club World Cup to now um, praying that we can win a Carabao Cup. Um, and then now we're talking about salvaging something from our season in an FA Cup uh, fifth round game against Leeds. So our objectives and our goals have completely changed and it is going to be a slow process. I think next season, 
it's going to be same. It's going to, we're going to have to hope that we're, we're, we're going to do something in the cup competitions. Cause right now, given the kind of gap there is in quality between us and the likes of City, Liverpool, Arsenal, I'd even put Villa in there. Um, I'd put Wolves, given how well they're playing at the moment as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a slow process. But like you said, do you give Pochino another window? Personally, I would, because I still don't think a lot of our issues and problems are down to Pochettino right now. Um, I think it's a lot to do with the experience of these players, the lack of uh, motivation that they have. Sure, maybe that's tied somehow to the manager, but I think there's a big, big, there's a lot of work that needs to be done around these players' mentality. I think you go 1-0 down, I like we did against Wolves, they just crumbled. Or was it 2-1 down, they just crumbled. Then we conceded a third, then we conceded a fourth. And that needs to change. Um, and I think I'm almost certain our Liverpool scored early in that game against Wembley. We would have crumbled. We took that nil-nil lead, in, um, nil-nil um, scoreline into half time, into full time, and it gave the players a bit of motivation, a bit of hope, a bit of a, a glimmer of um, of um, that you know they can win this game. But no, this this team still lacks that winning mentality and um, that kind of fighting spirit or that hunger to play for the badge. And can Pochettino be the person to change that? I don't know if that's purely down to the manager. Uh- I mean, I, I was having a conversation um, yesterday about obviously Everton and their, their point deduction and there will become a point and it will catch up to us very soon that we will be in the same boat of an investigation and, and all the rest of it. Now, th- there's nothing to say that we don't get a points deduction, whether that's this season or next season. But if we do, and ours is a lot more charges, a lot more um, implications of FFP than it is for Everton. Now, we could be talking about a massive deficit in, in points deduction before the season's even started. Now, if we go into that, and this is just hypothetical, and obviously no one knows what's going to happen, but if we go into that, say we get a 15 or 20, 20 point deduction with a, a massive fine on top of it, we're playing catch up already against certain teams. And I, I, I just I just think that I, I, at the moment, I just think you, when you're in almost two years into something, you want to see some kind of, uh, I get it now, the penny should drop at some point. That moment hasn't happened for me. We're two years in. So I'm not saying we should be winning the Premier League, the Champions League, or even the FA Cup. I think even that's a stretch at the moment. But just, I don't, I don't see any, I don't, see, I, I don't under, and this maybe this is why Poch is struggling. Maybe Poch is struggling because he doesn't even know the vision himself. He's been brought in to do a job. He's been given all the, the resources or what he thinks is the resources, or has he, has he chosen all these players? and. If he doesn't know the vision or he doesn't know the direction or it keeps changing, that's another thing, you know, they're changing. If you remember the profile is sign all these young players under 18 and get them through for five years time. How's that going to help Potticino now? I mean, how does that help him in today's world? Not five years down the road when he's possibly not even the manager anymore. I, I just don't, I just don't see that. So you, uh, you're right you can't just blame Potticino mm-hmm. but the results have to change on the pitch for me as well completely yeah and I saw a tweet I think that sums it up perfectly that said that Chelsea's aim is compared to the Roman era um, from what this person is hearing it's just to be competitive at the moment it's to be a business that is churning out money every year and you're staying within your means and you just, you're just making sure you stay relevant which I think what exactly what Chelsea are trying to do now churn money be competitive stay relevant but this is not going to work in the Premier League in this day and age and the standard of Chelsea that we're used to having previously. And I think it's a model that Burley's trying to inspire himself from the Tampa Bay Rays, who I think maybe are an NFL team who are purely data-driven, um, but it just hasn't come to fruition at all for the time being. And like you said, it's almost a year and a half in, two years in, and a penny hasn't dropped yet And seeing, oh yeah, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to build. 
other than the fact that we've gone rid of all the experienced players in our team and replaced them with 19, 20, 21 year olds on ridiculously long contracts that just aren't performing well yet. That's the moment the penny drops for me, thinking we've completely fucked up in the way that we've gotten rid of all those experienced players, the Kantes, the Jorginhos, the Kalbachiches, the Loftus Cheeks, the Aspilicuetas. And we've gotten Madrick, um, Badgeshil, Madweke, these type of guy. Sure, I think there's there's players in there, but are they the type of players that are going to get you top four, uh, win you FA Cups, get you back in the Champions League? No, they're not. They're that's, the not. that's the worry, isn't it? Because you, if you if you spent all that money and you put them on seven-year deals, you have no no choice but to to trust them to do that. You have no choice but, you, unless you sell them for a loss, which we can't do, um, you know, who's going to come in and pay what we paid for Mudrick or, or yeah. Madweki? Even maybe, maybe Caicedo in a year or two. Maybe. True. Maybe Enzo. Who's going to come and in? Even, yeah. No one. Even the manager, manager at the moment, I don't think he's trusting some of these players either. You look at Mudrick, apart from Wembley, where he didn't really have a choice because we had so much that we didn't have any options off the bench. But against Villa, Palace and City, he didn't even come off the bench, did he? Mm. And that's very telling that the manager's got this £80 million player and he doesn't even want to play him. Um, and then you're going to get this issue after a while where should we get rid of Pochino, we bring someone else in. You're going to have all these players that, again, are kind of players brought in by different managers that could be unwanted there. Um, and then we're not going to be able to get rid of them because, like you said, they're on these crazy contracts and um, their values just sort of skyrocketed. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a big it's a big fuck up on terms of Bowley's behalf. But as long as he's churning in money and Chelsea are remaining competitive and relevant, I don't think he minds. The money comes in, but the results don't. Seems to be the way forward for Todd Bowley and Co. Um, Chris Frankuku, you played um, yeah from the sixty seventh minute. I think he came on on Sunday. Has now had a fresh injury which has been confirmed by Maurizio Potticino at the press conference yesterday. He's expected to be out for three to four weeks. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even funny, but another injury, another injury. Um, he can't catch a break at the moment, Nkunku. What happens now for Nkunku? Is this just we, we write off the season for him? We, we put away the blue balloon. We don't think we're going to see that this season now. Um, do we just give him a fresh whole sort of rehabilitation might seem roll out you know back end of the season maybe given the last two games of the season to get some fitness in and then give him a full pre-season and hope that he can stay injury free next season yeah it's, it's frustrating because I remember back in November we kept saying things aren't going well at the moment but we've got Nkuku coming back to look forward to and there was at the end of the period where he got us the, the goal against Wolves um, sure it was just a consolation goal but we thought alright he's here he means business um, but yeah, we can't rely on him now. Um, and the warning signs were there. His injury record back at Leipzig um, was atrocious, were atrocious, if I'm honest. Um, I've got it up here, actually. So going back to 2018, 2019, when he was back at uh, Paris, he had a groin injury, which kept him out for 13 days. In 2021, um, he had an ankle problem 32 days while at, whilst at Leipzig. Same season, back problem, out for seven days. Same, same, uh, second season at Leipzig, out of coronavirus, seven days. Wrist injury, three days. A torn lateral knee ligament in 2022, 83 days whilst at Leipzig. Finished issues that kept him out for 10 days. A torn muscle fiber, 39 days. And then whilst at Chelsea, his longest injury of all, which kept him out for 109 days, which was a knee injury. 
then out for 42 days because of fitness and then a hip injury, which I think was January time, 23 days. And now this, this unknown injury that's popped up, um, which seems to be uh, three to four weeks is what we're, what we're hearing about now. So we, sh- we should have known before we signed him that this guy is going to be one of those players, put him in the same bracket as a Reese James, a Kante, who play max maybe half the games during a season. And can you rely on a player that can only play half the games during the season? No. And I, I think the difference with, with Reese James and, and even well more so N'Golo Kante, you'd probably take a 50% N'Golo Kante over some of the players that we had. Even now, you know, you still throw him into a team because you know he can still maybe do a job. But we haven't even seen that with Nkunku. We don't even know. I think he's made 10 appearances for the club, some majority of them off the bench as well. We haven't really seen what he can do, what his his best attributes, where does he fit into this team? We don't even know that yet. And we're, we're, we're what, what is it, nearly the 1st of March in a couple of days. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's a, it's, you know, it's a concern. It's a massive concern that he, he sort of almost can't play back to back. It's almost a Reese James effect. Um, mm. med- medical staff, maybe the, the rehabilitation program. I don't know what it is, but something doesn't seem to be working well and hasn't for years. It isn't just like a new thing that, you know, since Maurizio Pochettino's come in, you know, we've been talking about this for how long now, since we started the podcast about injuries and the constant injuries that we've had. So it seems to be something that just at Cobham doesn't go well, whether it's cursed or just shit in terms of how we bring our players back from injuries. But something has to change because, you know, we, we are heavily reliant on someone like Nkunku to help get goals in this squad. We, we have to. Yeah, but it never used to be like this. I feel like prior to maybe 2019, 2020, I just can't remember us having this many injuries. So I don't know what it's, is it because these players just spend too much time in the gym, carrying weights, um, doing squats. Um, but it seems like their bodies now are very, very fragile compared to players back in the day who arguably wouldn't look after their fitness as, as much and their diets. And so it seems quite telling that, and it's not just Chelsea, I think there's other clubs as well that have struggled a lot with injuries. Arsenal, but Chelsea, well. Arsenal, Liverpool, Jesus, um, John Stones at City, who's out with um, a majority of the time. You look at Liverpool at the moment. Um, you just wonder if it's, we spoke back in it was 2020, 2021, where they were playing catch up on so many games and cup competitions and whether that kind of, uh, the Euros that same summer where the players would struggle with fitness. Um, but with the depth that these teams have now, they should be able to cope with it. So I think these players need to be extra careful with their recovery periods. I know that my mate sees Mudrick every single day in the gym in Imperial Wharf and he's squatting. Yeah. He's squatting, carrying weights, doing all kinds of things. And he's on his own in there. So I doubt he's doing that specifically on a Chelsea football club tailored program. It seems pretty for him, for his Instagram, for his own kind of what he wants to, the muscles he wants to build. So yeah, these players need to be extra careful. He needs a footballer. And that's what he needs. Do some practice on the pitch rather than in the gym, to be honest, but. Completely. And he needs his phone confiscated from him as well. 100%. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got the Club World Cup coming up in in uh, not too long now. Um, we're only playing one game a week at the moment. I think the Club World Cup is played um, in between the break of the season anyway. But I mean, we, we, you know, I'm hearing the word tired and fatigued quite a lot, and we're only playing one game a week. I I, I mean, you know, there's some clubs. I mean, Liverpool played in the week, the Wednesday, and then they played on the Sunday and still managed to beat us. It's just. I don't know. In hindsight, it's good that we're not in, you know, European football because I don't, our squad isn't built for it. It should be, which just goes back to the bottle job 
statement. We should be because we spent a billion pounds. We should be able to have the depth in the squad to be able to deal with injuries. I think Kunku, you know, you look at City, when they lose someone, they've almost got a light for light. Like, I think was it yesterday I was watching them, they brought off Jack Grealish who got injured. Jamie Doku came on. I mean, what a, what a replacement to bring on. You know, they, they, we haven't got that. And I think that's the worry. If we, if we, if we enter into a European competition, you have to have the squad to do that. And by the squad, I don't mean quality. I mean, you know, the depth to do that. You know, Fafana's injured. Chalaba's now back in the fold. He's now getting, suddenly getting game time again because Partichino's got no choice. You know, Baddy Shield's out. Thiago Silva's out. Rich James is out. We've spent a billion pounds. We should have players in there that we can just like for like swap over. But yeah, we've, we've got, I think we've got to assess Nkuku um, in the summer and just hope he gets, a, you know, a really good period of time where he's not playing football. In the summer, the preseason, he, he gets through it this time rather than, you know, he plays really well and then he gets injured. We want to see a full preseason and he hits the ground running next summer because, um, you know, uh, as much as these guys are on long contracts, the fans will give them a lot of pressure um, regardless of the length of their contracts. Completely. And I also worry that I think similarly to Gavsake, DJ Deschamps has his favourites in the front squad. And I think he's one of those players that often gets picked for the... For the um, team squads um, so he'll probably be on the flight to Germany for the Euros with France um, which is probably not what Chelsea fans want to hear um, so the last thing you want him is coming back to pre-season injured um, but yeah he needs to have a long kind of uh, summer break rest and um, you've got to just hope that this three to four week, week injury mystery injury because we still don't know what part of his body has been affected whether it came in the game against um against uh, Liverpool if it, it was just a fluky accident at home or on the training pitch at Cobham but yeah you've got to hope that's nothing too serious and it's not some maybe the reoccurring near injury that he had um, before um, before Christmas um, and he's able to somehow contribute um, in the, uh, maybe the April May period let's, let's let's move on let's talk about tonight's game um, big big game we don't have big games anymore do we it, it's against Leeds. It's always a big, it's a big game. We game play Leeds. Leeds. It is a big game. The history is there between the two clubs. If people who may not know this, but there is a lot of history between the two clubs. Um, Leeds are doing very well in the championship. Let's start with that one there. Um, but this is a game for me that Maurizio Pochettino has to get right. He cannot put out a team, in my opinion, that, yes, you're going to have to make changes. You're going to have to tinker with the squad, but we need a really good, positive, convincing performance against Leeds. There could not be any excuses about anything after this for me personally. But um, what's your initial thoughts going into the game? Home, Stamford Bridge, 7.30 kickoff. You know, it's almost ready for us to go and get that horrible Sunday defeat out of our system. Yeah, this game could go one of two ways. Um, it could go that the players want to respond after Sunday's um, heartbreak and disappointment and they want to amend things with the fans. And they they show that on the pitch and we, we hit the ground running and we get a couple of goals and we comfortably beat Leeds who, like you said, are a bit of a fierce rival of us given what happened in the 1970 FA Cup final and the replay that happened afterwards. Or it could go another way, which is these players just now are demotivated. They're emotionally and physically drained after the Sunday. And I think that's a likely option, given how inexperienced and young they are. Um, and they just crumble under the pressure and needs to get a result, a shock result, and they, they go through. 
Um, I really hope it's the, the the first one, and these players show a bit of fight and hunger and respond and do please the fans. Um, because you have to remember, we played very well in spells against Sunday, and we need to kind of work on what we did really well and continue to do that and build on that. And like you also said, Leeds are actually doing pretty pretty well. They're second in the championship, I think six points behind um, Leicester City in first place. So they're in that automatic promotion um, place. And it's a type of team that we will be competing against probably next season in the Premier League. So it's um, it's going to be, not the championship, the Premier League. We're still going to be in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big, big game. Um, I think Pochina does have to make a couple of changes to the lineup, I believe. Um, I think we're going to talk about our lineups. There's a few players I'd like to include that maybe haven't featured as much, I think, and provide a bit of something tonight. But yeah, the last chance to salvage something from this season. Um, going to another good cup run because I think top four, top six, even I think is out of the question now. Yeah. So yeah, big big game. Yeah, I don't think I'd even want top four, top six this season now. But um, no, I agree with everything you said. I, I think Leeds haven't lost since the 29th of December. I think it was a defeat to West Brom. So they've gone on a really good run. Um, FA Cup as well. I think they played Peterborough and then they played Plymouth. I think in the, the last two respective rounds. So they've done really well to get where they are. Um, is it Dan- Daniel Fark? Is he still there? Is he still the manager? I think he is, yeah. isn't he? So I think, you know, he's obviously come in. He's changed things. He's done what he needed to do. Our old friend, Ethan Ampadu, I'm sure, will be there. He's having a really good season from when I've been watching them. Obviously, Somerville, uh, Daniel James is still there at Leeds as well. So they have a good squad and they are a very attacking squad. So, you know, I, it's, it's not going to be, easy. it was never going to be easy anyway. And I think you're right. Yeah. I think, I think I said maybe to you or maybe to someone else that after Sunday, a lot of these players would have checked out for the season now. They they won't be, they know there's nothing on the table to win. Um, they'll probably just see this now as a, 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 a wind down to the season. You know, start thinking about Marbella and the Maldives and, and all the rest of these destinations that they like to go in the summer. Um, but look, I mean, we, we for me personally, I just want to see a good result. I want to see a good performance. <laughs> Uh, from the team I want to be able to see some improvement because yes we played well against Liverpool on Sunday but this is a different ball game this is a team that is doing very well in a league below us so we shouldn't have the issues that we had even against you know Liverpool on Sunday um, lineups let's go for lineups let's go you just mentioned there obviously earlier on you talked about Robert Sanchez and Petrovic and maybe seeing Sanchez come back into the team you mentioned um, was it Moira, I think you mentioned to me offline as well. Yeah, I might see. Yeah, so what would be from goalkeeper to attack? Who would be your your eleven to start? I think it's important to know as well that um, unlike the previous FA Cup rounds, this game there won't be a replay. It will go to extra time and penalties. Should it be a draw um, after ninety minutes? So maybe the lineup should be tailored for potentially extra time. Should um should it be a draw? Um, yeah, Marrara, I think that's an option. I was surprised not to see his name on the bench against um, Liverpool. Then I remember he played, I think, against Wimbledon in the uh, uh, League Cup. So I think it might be cup tied, would it be? Would he be cup tied? Maybe because he can't play again. I'm not sure. But um, Cassidy, another one who can't feature cup tied as well. He played for Leicester against Millwall, I believe, in the FA Cup. Um, but yeah, I think I'd stick with Petrovic. Like I said at the start of the recording, um, he's in red hot form, and I thought he was fantastic. He made that one save, I believe, from almost point blank rage. I think it might have been Gakpo or one of the centre backs. We just tipped it over the posts. Um, two centre backs. If he's fit, I will go with Silva. If he's fit, I'm still I'm not sure if he's fit. Yeah. 
And alongside him, I go with um, Trevor Chalaba. I think this is an opportunity for him to come back into the fold, play a part. Um, maybe tell Poch, you know, listen, I'm here to, I'm here. Um, if you need me, I could still play. And you must remember, he's a Cobham Academy boy, so he want to kind of he knows what the FA Cup means to being English. I'll stick with Chalaba. Right back, I'm going to go with Alfie Gilchrist. I think this is the type of player, a player, a game though a player like that, he's got almost a point to prove. He's um, going to be really hungry to get, you know, starts. And he's, I think it was against Preston he played or Middlesbrough and he, he had a decent game. And then left back, I'm going to go with Ben Chilwell over Gusto just for the experience. Um, I'm going to go with Gallagher and Caicedo as my two centre midfielders. I would rest Enzo for this one, maybe have him come off the bench and I will go with Palmer as the number 10. Um, then I would go with Madweke and Sterling with Jackson up top. Mm. I do like that team, actually. I like that team. I mm. think, um, would I change? I think I would only change a couple things. I think I would stick with my back two. So, Dezazi and Cowell, I would start again. Mm-hmm. I think consistency today. And I, I think, I think Leeds will really attack us from the start. They're, they're going to, I worry about Chalabra, who's missed a lot of football. Silver, who True. I don't think will be fully fit, and I just look at that Leeds attack, and I think that's not to say Cowell as he will do well. Patrick Bamford, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so imagine he scores a hat trick. Um, I agree with you about Kilchrist and and uh, Ben Chilwell. I think you know two really good options um, to 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 add to that back line as well. I would probably I would stick with Petrovic. I think I said before that Potticino for me personally, had this is a must-win game. Not because he's going to be sacked if he loses, but I think just because of the fans' expectation now, you've lost the final. The fans want to see a really good performance. And I think if you tweak this squad too much, you're going to disrupt what you've done against City, against uh, Crystal Palace and, 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 and so on. And I think you have to try and keep some sort of structure to the team. So let's not mess around with it too much. Um, I would actually start Enzo and Caicedo. I would. Um, I think our next game is uh, Brentford, I think, 3pm. Saturday, yeah. Yeah, so I think plenty of time, you know, to <laughs> recover one game a week. Um, <laughs> I would start Nani Medweki and I would start, I would start Mudruk in this game. I know, mm. I know, I know, I know, I know. you got to hear me out. But I, I would start <laughs> more for the pace. And I think, I, I think he would, I think we have to, because I, 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 I think sometimes, you know, I, I criticise players who don't really get a good run of games and they come on and they don't really do well or they start the game, but they haven't played the last two games. So I'd love to see Mudrick playing three games, but I wouldn't love to. But I think he deserves, we have to give him an opportunity consistently to play for a period of time before I can fully assess how shit he is or how good he is. And that's just, to me, that's just my honest opinion. So I think, in this game, I think I'd start Enzo, Caicedo, Gallagher will keep their normal sort of triangle structure. Gallagher slightly ahead of the, the other two. Medweki and Mudrik both worry me because I don't think they've got anything bar a bit of pace. They don't really have anything that they can put into the box. Um, they can't really beat their man. So they worry me. Um, but I would go with those, strangely go with those two as my, my wide options. And I think I would go with Nicholas Jackson um, going forward but there is talk about Washington which uh, if you check 
social media, there was a couple of people saying about mm-hmm. Washington possibly, if not being on the bench, possibly even starting the game. But did he did he score a hat trick as well recently, like a youth game or something like that? I think. But but it's a big game. Le- Leeds is going to be a big. I know it's not in terms of the grander scheme of things, in terms of what we want to get out of the season, but. I just mean on the night, you know, the the fans, the the, the players, the pressure, the fatigue, the that defeat against Liverpool on Sunday. All that's going to be playing into to the to the minds, and I think maybe throwing Washington in to the lines, then, you know, where there's an expectation we must win this game. I think is a bit harsh on him. I'd probably bring him on. I'd think I'd start Jackson, who is your out and out striker. And maybe I'd bring Washington, depending on how the game's going. I'd probably bring him on, but um, yeah, we we need to no no Cole Palmer. No, I think he needs a rest. I think he looked really tired against Liverpool. Um, I think he looked really really tired, and 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 mm. kind of contradicting myself. But I think he has been one of those players, very much like Conor Gallagher. If I if I could maybe rest him, I would. Um, because I think he's someone True. else. I think he came off because he just looked shattered. Actually, I don't know on on Sunday. He, you know, he um, there was a, a thing. I think he started like all our games since we signed him. I'm pretty sure something like that. Well. Almost yeah. about all the kilometers he's mm. running per game. He's he's doing too much, and you know we just spoke about in cuckoo injuries. These things can, you know, enhance the chance of someone else getting injured. Just not resting them. So, um, as much as we need to win tonight, I think we need to also try and manage some people's minutes and give them a rest where we can. And I think that's where you put Cole Palmer um, on the bench for a game like this tonight. But um, should we lose the game? What would be your, I know your reaction would be, I'm pissed off, but I mean, what would be your, I don't know, your next thing? What 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 next? Because then I think there's some part of the fan base that's kind of clinging on to the fact we are still in the FA Cup there's a chance of silverware. But if we come out of that, we literally always automatically know that our season is pretty much over. Mm. We just go in there yeah, Saturday to turn up and watch football for 90 minutes. Literally, literally it was about, literally what I was going to say, it would almost be like a, how I felt end of last season after we got knocked out by Real Madrid after just going to games thinking, all right, I'm just going to go watch Chelsea. <laughs> but I was actually going there thinking like three points, we're going to get into top four. We're going to we're going to go on a good cup cup run. We're, in, we're into the quarterfinals, the semifinals. There's Wembley to look forward to last last week, next week. So yeah, if we if we lose tonight, I just feel like our season is basically over. Let's be honest. There's literally nothing. I mean, sure, there's still football to play for. There's still a slight chance of us creeping into a European spot, but realistically, our season will be over. So yeah, I think that's something to talk about in the next recording, um, depending on how the result goes. I wouldn't want to be at Stamford Bridge if uh, we leave tonight because I think it's, um, yeah, it won't be good. It won't be good at all. No. Um, you just mentioned it then around the league. I think some some results, actually, bearing in mind we didn't play in the league last weekend, but some results went in our favour. Um, yeah, I mean, we were only four, four points off, off seventh. So, you know, I think some teams done us a favour, but Look, we've got to take one game at a time. I think tonight is obviously Leeds. You know, it's a game that we should be winning. We should be beating Leeds, in, in my opinion, albeit, you know, they've got a really good squad on a really great form. They've got a good manager that's doing well with them in the championship. You know, we times that by 10 with Potticino and the squad that we do have available to us. So, um, predictions, score predictions. Where do we start? Where do we go? 
I think if if Chelsea come out and show that they can score goals, I think we'll win two one. If we struggle, players look a bit tired. I say, I say tired, I mean it more like mentally tired and they drain from Sunday. Then I think it will be two 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 or one one and go to extra time. Um, and then anything can happen. But I'll stick with my first prediction of two one Chelsea. I know I've just moaned for pretty much what fifty two minutes of a podcast about Chelsea, but I actually think I'm going to win tonight. Um, and maybe that's because I want us to, but I think we will. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to that Villa game, and I don't know why, but there's just sometimes we can flick a switch and we just play well. Mm. And I, I, I look back to that Villa game, and that that took me by surprise, to be honest. And I think tonight will be the same, but for the right reasons, because I think we should be doing that. We should be beating them. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go three nil. I'm going to go three nil Chelsea. I think we we will play really well, um, and I, I'm I'm hoping there's a part of the team that will want to put what they didn't do right on sun- Sunday right tonight as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go 3-0. I'm going to go 3-0. Nice. Last time we played Leeds, do you remember the score? And do you remember who scored? This is your job. That's your forte. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. rubbish at things like that. But, um, the goal scorer has been injured all season. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. Oh, Reese James must, must have been Reese James. Uh, another one that we haven't mentioned in a, in a long time on this podcast. And I actually bumped into him in front of Stamford Bridge with his hood up um, before the Wolves game. Uh, was it Fafana? It was Fafana, yeah. 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 1-0 win against the Yeah. Um, God, that's so... Is that... So when was... That was not the Conor Gallagher red card, was it? No, that was um, March 2023, um, 1-0. Um, so literally this time last year almost. Um, and it's when we were in a decent run after. I think we, we came back against Dortmund the following week. We got a win against Leicester. Um, but yeah, I think the, the reverse fixture, we lost 3 0 against Leeds. And was it Kulabali who got sent it off in that Kulibali, one? Kulabali, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, we've got. We've got I'll, I'll take a 1 0. Yeah, I'll take yeah, a 1 0. Yeah. Who needs who? I'll just take one goal. Um, yeah. yeah. But let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about the game tonight. Let us know your score predictions, predicted lineups as well. And as I said at the start of the podcast, if you are new to the channel, make sure you give this video a thumbs up and then make sure you hit the link tree link in the description um, to go back and listen to previous episodes and also follow the social accounts as well. Theo, as always, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Um, let's hope we're talking about a victory in the next episode and not another defeat, which could potentially happen. But let's stay positive until next time. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game, Theo. I'm sure you'll be be Cheers. scooting over um, later on today to watch that and anyone else who's going enjoy and we'll be back soon thank you very much for listening